Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to our 10 minutes of meaning where we gather weekly to review Mesila Sisharim, the great words of the Ramchar, Ramoshachayim Lutzato, who challenges each and every one of us to become the very best versions of ourselves, to follow the steps that are outlined by Rav Pinchas Ben Yar, who quotes from the Gemara, who teaches us how to perfect ourselves, beginning with Zihirus, a living a life of mindfulness, of conscientiousness, of being present and aware of all of our thoughts and all of our actions and all of our deeds to be entirely present in everything we do. Then Zerizus, once we've mastered, we've learned, or at least improved, our sense of mindfulness, of consciousness, or being present, then we can move to Zerizus, alacrity and zeal, and going and trying to conquer the world. And then we've moved over to Nikias, which trying to identify what's the kryptonite in our life. How can we eliminate, how can we purge that draw, that temptation, that desire, so we can form the right habits and we can live our best lives. I want to thank our generous sponsors, Chani and Lenny Grunstein, in memory of her beloved father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak, who's Neshama Shavan Aliyah. Thank you so much to our dear friends, the Grunsteins, for your generosities. Okay, we have been learning within the Midah of Nikias. We have been identifying all kinds of uh, pernicious and negative and, and really corrupting, contaminating character traits. People who eat in unhealthy ways, people who speak with profanity, people who are filled with lust and with anger. And we've most recently been talking about how to purge and how to overcome that instinct towards envy. When you see what someone else has and you're drawn to want it, not only in addition to them, but you want it instead of them. Why do they deserve it? Why do they have it? I deserve it. I should have that happiness. So how do we overcome that sense of envy? At the root of most envy, said the Ramchal, is the drive and the draw to money. Money makes the world go round. People crave money. There's an insatiable appetite for money. Oh, if kesef, lo yispa kesef. If you love money, you can never have enough. If you love things, you can never have enough. And that's the question and the challenge is how to overcome that instinct and that pull because it has corrupted so many. It has clouded judgment of so many. It has caused so many people to actually compromise relationships, happiness, health, and so much more. Money, the insatiable appetite for things, for material possessions, for more, it creates a danger. And it makes a person filled with worry and anxiety and concern and uncertainty, even after you have a lot, even after you're successful. What is the point at which the person can exhale or breathe? What is the person at which point at which a person is satisfied that I have enough? Histapkus, histapkus bemuat, histapkus baharbe. I have enough when I have a little, but the feeling of I have enough when I have a lot. Does anyone really feel I have enough even when they have a lot? V'chein shaninu, our rabbis teach us in Pirkei Avos that marbe nechasim, marbe daiga. The more things you have, the more things you worry about. Now you might say, bring it on. I'll worry. I'll take that challenge. But we should do so at least with our eyes open that the more things you have, the more possessions, the more that you have to care for, the more you have to ensure, the more that can break down, the more that has to be replaced, the more that you worry will be stolen, the more that you could be sued for. The more things, mar the more you have mar the more distraction, the more worries. The more simplified your life, the more you could focus on that which matters. And the more complicated your life, in many ways it's a bracha, mar If you have many homes and many cars and many portfolios and many bank accounts and many things, it's a huge bracha. Money can solve 90% of the world's problems. But the 10% that can't be solved with money are the worst problems that man can have. And one wouldn't change them for anything. 
In this situation, because a person has that insatiable appetite for things, for money, for more, it often leads a person to violate the mitzvahs of the Torah. We end up cutting corners. We end up justifying our not being entirely honest. And it also causes a person to violate the norms of common sense. A person who has such envy, such jealousy, such an insatiable appetite for money and for more, won't always act in the most logical, sensical way. It could cause a person even to violate common sense. Worse is a person's desire for honor. So we went from envy to um, envy to love of money to now the insatiable appetite for honor, for respect. There are people who are able to conquer. They can, they can be disciplined and regulate their desire and their drive for money and for things and for all of the pleasures too. They can be on a diet when it comes to food and a healthy diet when it comes to money and it comes to consumerism and it comes to life. However, when it comes to honor, the pursuit of honor, I need friends, I need followers, I need reposts. I want to be honored. I want people to acknowledge. I want people to notice. I want people to defer. The person who say, I'm not willing to blend in. I don't want to be seen or perceived or feel inferior or less than others. I don't want to be seated in a worse seat. I don't want to be invited less times. I don't want to be honored. And over this, over honor, over that need to be acknowledged, over that need to be uh, honored, over that need to be elevated. How many people have faltered, have perished? How many people have lost and compromised their own happiness, their own health? Now the Ramchal is going to bring us several examples from our sacred Torah of individuals, and that's what the Torah was teaching by recording these episodes about these people, is how, how, absolutely, how absolutely corrupting the pursuit of honor is. It consumes us. It distracts us. It clouds us. Yeravam ben Nevat lo nitrod meolam abay elba avur akavod. Yeravam ben Nevat was barred from the world to come because of honor. Umasha Amr, what our rabbi said in Sanhedrin, Tfaswa kadosh baruch be big deva amalo. Chazor b'cha va'ani va'atau ben Yishai netayal began Eden. He grabbed Yeravam ben Nevat. He grabbed him by the lapels. He grabbed him by the coat, and he screamed at him. He said, "Repent. Have a get rid of your ego. Have some humility." And then you and I and Ben Yishai will walk into the Garden of Eden together. There's not enough room in the world for all of us if you're going to be filled with honor. If your life is driven by your ego, your honor, your need for everyone to defer to you, your need for power, then there's not enough room in the world for all of us as God. But if you can suppress, if you can surrender, if you can, of course, pursue your self-interest, but do so with a sense of humility, then we'll walk hand in hand together into the Garden of Eden. Amalami Barosh. So he turns, and what's the response? Yerav ben Nevat says to God, okay, we'll walk together, me, you, and David HaMelech, King David. Who's going first? Amalo ben Yishai Barosh. David HaMelech, King David's first. Amalo Iyachi, lo be'ena. Said Yerav ben Nevat, if that's the case, if David HaMelech, King David, goes first, I'm out. I'm not interested. What do you mean I'm not first? What do you mean I don't sit in the preferred seat? What do you mean I don't get the upgrade? What do you mean I haven't been acknowledged? What do you mean you didn't mention my name? If a person is driven by their need for ego and honor and somehow their sense of self gets inflated by the uh, amount of mentions by the other, then they can't find happiness ever. You run after honor, honor runs away from you. Similarly, 
the great biblical story about Korach. Korach, who caused Korach and all those who aligned themselves with him to perish? Elam Nehakavod. Korach was bothered by the need for honor. He said, what do you mean, my cousin Moshe? What do you mean, Aaron? Why are they the ones in positions of distinction? Why are they the ones who get to speak publicly? Why are they the ones who get the veto vote? Why are the ones in leadership? Who made him the president of the shul? Who made her in charge of the sisterhood? Who made this one in charge of that? Who made this? The whole genesis, the whole background of the story is Korach Zoe Elitzafan ben Uziah was chosen as the leader of their tribe. So Korach said, why is he the leader? What is he doing as president? I want to be president. I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm more eloquent. I'm more charismatic. I'm more handsome. It should be me. It should be me. So instead of the ability to find happiness for the other, we think that it has to be us. That was the downfall of Korach. And there's a little Korach, a little Yeravim ben Avat in all of us. In some there's a lot, in others there's a little. But for all, it clouds our judgment. When we have to pursue honor and we are driven by the how elevated and how bright our name appears in lights, then we make mistakes. This was also the downfall of the spies. The biblical story of the spies who went to investigate the land. God says, no problem, I'm going to usher you in and it's going to be amazing. And they come back and say, no, there's giants and we can never conquer it and we'll never succeed. What was the problem? The problem is that in the desert journey, they were in charge. And they knew that once they transitioned into the land of Israel, they would be replaced. There'd be a transition of power. And they didn't want to give up the power, that honor, that power, that glory. They didn't want to give it up. And therefore, they did not... Uh, Submit to the will of God, to the plan of God. They insisted on their own, and that was the downfall. Forty years wandering in the desert, all because they behaved that way. Why did King Shaul fight with his son-in-law David? The whole background of the Shaul lost the kingship, the monarchy. He lost any sense of a potential dynasty because he put honor first. He didn't succeed. He didn't accede to God's will. And so on. So all of these show, and we'll start with this next time, the desire for honor is what grips a person's heart more than all the worldly wants and desires. We may not realize it. We think we want money. We want the pleasures of this world. But really, so many people are driven by honor. You see this in the whole social media world. Followers, friends, posts, reposts. Everyone's elbowing and angling to say something that everyone will notice and will repeat because somehow their name gets inflated. Somebody dies. Everybody posts a picture from the one time they met them, even though it wasn't a real relationship. People post pictures or connections to celebrities who we shouldn't even be admiring. Why somehow their value goes up if they can be connected or associated with others of real value or of no value at all. But it's all driven by honor. All that behavior is driven by honor, and ultimately it can corrupt, it contaminates, it hurts us emotionally, spiritually, physically, and most of all hurts our relationships. We'll pick up with this next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. 8.45, we continue with Living with Emuna. And tonight, 9 p.m., we're going behind the bima with the great Malcolm Honline of the Conference of Presidents. He and our generation, nobody has more connections to presidents, prime ministers, dignitaries, diplomats than Malcolm Holmline. Looking forward to speaking to him tonight at 9 p.m. and hope you join us. Have a great day.